Lord. Do you live in the middle of nowhere and feel separated from the church? Yeah, that's me. Or do you think the church is out of touch? Absolutely. Then this podcast is for you. Coming to you from the Diocese of Sioux City. What? Where the hell is Sioux City? Welcome to Outcast Catholic with your hosts, Father Sheen Demon and Father Travis Crotty. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Outcast Catholic. I'm Father Shane Demon. I'm Father Travis Crotty. And it's good to be with you. Thanks for tuning in again. And uh, it's good to keep journeying with one another as we keep examining our own relationship in with the church and with one another. Father, how are you doing? Doing well. Doing yeah, well. I've been traveling a lot. Ah, uh, yeah. As you know, that's just the life. <laughs> that is the life. It's been good, though. I've been able to, uh, I'm helping out um, on and off, kind of part time with Father Francis. Um, who has a beautiful African last name that I can't pronounce. So Father Francis is what we call him. Uh, in our diocese, he's helping out Briarcliff. So I've been helping out with that every other weekend or so. He's back from Africa now. And um, after that, I mean, we're going to start going back and forth. But I was able to go to a, a parish recently in the diocese, which was nice because I haven't been in like real parish ministry since July. Um, mm-hmm. So that was really nice to step back into that. I had a surprise that nice. wedding that was kind of unexpected and exciting and um while you were covering the parish well i was yeah um okay father sonny uh was was stuck in his home country of india so he said you know can you actually cover this wedding as well and i did and it was um it was an adventure just just kind of slide into a parish not having done any of the prep or knowing any of the expectations that were, were set previously or whatever else and but it was it was really nice to be out with with some folks, and I was close enough to Sioux Falls that I was able to see my family up in Hartford and see my old rector, Father Jim Mason, who's at Holy Spirit now in Sioux Falls. So that was that was nice to be close enough like that. Nice. What's been going on uh, at the Lou? Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Well, you know, um, the Prossers were just visiting. Shout ah. out to Mark and Don Prosser of Sioux City, both uh, Chancery staff members who were down here visiting some of their old roots. As Mark is from East St. Louis. It was good to catch up with them, with all the Sioux City seminarians. Uh, and it's also been fun just for me to bounce around the parishes and get to know the city. I've been doing coverage in a few places. Also joined some of our seminarians in their weekend parish assignments. Oh. Out in, I've been in Pacific. I've been in Union, Missouri. Oh, yeah. Uh, just bouncing around a couple of places here and there. Uh, I've only been here six weeks, but it's it's fun to, to know some of the parish assignments where all of our men spend the weekends Helping out with youth ministry, you know, catechesis efforts, serving masses, but also just meeting and greeting to be part of the rhythm and life of the parish. I got to say, so I'm biased because I'm an alum of uh, Kenrick, but uh-huh. I love our, our apostolic experience of being in a different parish every year. Uh, but right. we were at the parish every weekend. So the, the flow of the house is really cool. And they'd uh, administration would always point that out. There's a kind of this this natural progression of you have the the week together, the kind of grind of classes, and then you all get mm-hmm. to go out to your own parishes, experience your own um, ministry, kind of come right. out of yourself a little bit. You get to receive so much during the week, go out of yourself, and then um, see so many different experiences of ministry. And I, I loved it. I mean, St. Louis is in Region 9 here in the Midwest, so very similar culture. But it's a big difference from going from, I was, you know, St. Joe's in Cottleville, 5,000 families, big, giant suburban parish, um, back to the diocese here. But it was nice to have the perspective of, look, hey, so, you know, the church is thriving in some areas of, of suburbia with so many people there. Um, mm-hmm. So it's very hopeful. Yeah, I'm glad you got to experience that. So you were in Cotterville. What other parish assignments did you have? Okay, I was at SMMA, St. Margaret Mary Alco. If anybody's listening from there, shout out. That was Theology 1. I helped with the youth group. Then I was at OLP. Our Lady of Providence is not far from the seminary. It's kind of the first ring of suburbs. 
I can remember it's like rock and something. I forgot what other street is. Um, the church kind of looks like a Walmart building with kind of the exposed like metal rafters. Um, okay. And I did that was theology two and just did kind of RCIA in between the two masses uh, when I was there. And then theology three Ascension in Chesterfield, big parish out sure. there that's close to the uh, interstate and the Top Golf, and then St. Joe's and Cottleville. Nice. So if anybody's listening from those parishes, I loved I loved my time there, and I think I went to. Went to the March for Life with all three of those parishes, bunch of youth group stuff the whole time. And I still nice. run into people from the core teams at different things like Steubenville conferences. And yeah, so it was, it was wonderful to be connected. And what was the parish who tuned in to watch your ordination and like well, to yeah, so Saint, of all Saint of our Joe's, local commercials? Yeah, St. Joe's, Joe's in Cottleville. Was, I was a deacon sure. there. Um, okay, sure. They had an affection nickname. They called me Deacon Chad. Um, so the uh-huh. first, oh, that's right. the first, yeah, the first day I was there, one of the best uh, youth group things, youth ministers, listen up. We would have Saturday mass and breakfast. Now I know a lot of parishes don't have enough priests to do Saturday morning masses, but we would just go to morning mass on Saturday and then just go get breakfast. Everybody paid for themselves. We went to Chick Fil A down the street probably ninety seven percent of the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, they love the Chick Fil A breakfast. We'd go there and hang out. And the first day, um, Abigail Wolf, they called her Snail. She said, "You look like a Chad." So then Deacon Chad became the nickname, but then I had to leave. I was, uh, I was torn away by, by the, you know, pandemic and coming home to Sioux city. So they tuned in and they were like laughing at me when like, you know, the close zoom up from the ordination was like with a single tear coming down my face after the, you know, Bishop laid hands or something. And they're like kind of laughing. And then they started a chant when I was ordained father Chad. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think we need to redo our outro or intro music to introduce you as Father Chad. Father Chad, Father Sioux Chad, City. exactly. I'm not. That's not my name. Um, that's going to be your stage name, Father Chad Crotty. That's right. Yeah. it is my stage name. Um, but shout out to the Cottleville folks when he's listening. Nice. Yeah, Father. Oh, we are recording this now, just on the brink of the month of October, aren't we? We are, and fall you, is in the air. You're it's a, a big, beautiful time. You've you've hyped up before too, just like the the powerhouse saint lineup of october yes we have done a whole episode just on the rock star lineup of saints days in early october but there's one saint that we didn't really dive into uh, a blessed someone who's beatified if you will um there's one saint that i just kind of briefly mentioned about a year ago in one of our episodes but we haven't dug into him and i always said we're going to come back to him and so here we go all right have you ever heard of blessed bartolo longo um, no, <laughs> you, you, okay. And I felt bad because you mentioned him in the past and I correct me if I'm it's wrong. It's okay to say no. I think it's okay. I mean, there was like a big conversion story. He's there's somewhere in the back of my mind was he wasn't the Jewish guy. Was he? No. Okay. Don't tell me about him. Cause I clearly have right. no idea what we're talking about. Blessed Bartolo Longo. We're going to call him Bart. Longo. Okay. We're just going to call him Bart. His first name's Bartolo. As his friends probably called him. I'm sure. We're just going to call him Blessed Bart Old for the sake of, of our um, our little conversation here today. And probably the title of this podcast should probably be Blessed Bart. Well, we'll, we'll talk. All right. I don't know. We'll right, see we'll, some we'll lose see. us here. Tell us about Bartolo Longo. Bartolo Longo. Blessed Bart, <laughs> uh, born in 1841 in southern, it- in, uh, southern Italy in Brindisi. Uh, southern Italy is traditionally kind of the poorer part of Italy. And this is the time when there was quite a bit of upheaval in, throughout the entire country. A big revolution seeking to unify all the little areas, kingdoms, and regions of Italy into one unified state under uh, Garibaldi. Okay, 
which meant also the end of the papal states, with the Holy Father actually governing with civil authority regions of Europe. So this was a, a time of great upheaval uh, throughout the history of, of uh, the country of Italy and even in the life of the church. Uh, he went to the University of Naples to go to law school. And even though he was raised in a devout family, he really got quickly caught up in just kind of the, the poison in the atmosphere about hating the church. There were some professors who were former priests, ex-priests who had left the church, who were teaching at the university just spewing out lots of uh, anti-church rhetoric and really poisoning the minds of their students against the Catholic Church. And Bart got completely caught up in all of that, all right? He even admitted that he just grew to hate monks and priests, the church, the Pope, everything. Um, and then in, in the midst of all of this, because he really wasn't seeking uh, spiritual guidance from the church, but he was open to other movements, other ideas, um, he first started to visit some mediums, uh, psychic mediums who were in the city of Naples. And that was really his first introduction to the occult. Uh, and as he got involved in that, this just kind of started to develop a thirst for the supernatural, which he started to find in Satanism. So we all you know, know that here in this created realm, we have the visible realm, but there, we've also mentioned on this podcast that there's the invisible realm, which we believe as Catholic Christians. There's the invisible realm of uh, obviously God himself in heaven, the saints in heaven, the angels, but then also the fallen angels who are demons who can tempt us and try and throw stumbling blocks in our way. And it's when you're interested in the supernatural and you're looking for religious signs, it's easy to try and move towards um, you know that which can give you you know quick pleasure, quick relief, and make this world sound really appealing. And, and Satanism can do that, if, particularly if you're communicating with demons who try and promise you all sorts of worldly allurements. Um, and as he did this, people started noticing that his whole demeanor started to change. He became very gaunt. I mean, he was just really reduced to skin and bones. He just didn't look very healthy. And he went so far as to even consecrate himself as a satanic priest, promising his soul to a demon and getting involved in satanic rituals as an official priest of that false religion. Uh, so this continued, and finally one of his professors stepped in and really accosted him and challenged him very deeply out of love to just simply say, you're going to lose your mind. I mean, do you want to end up insane? And do you also just want to end up in hell? Because he could tell that Bart was moving down this path towards evil in which everything that was going on in his mind, everything that was going on in his in his whole life and his whole affect uh, was really moving him away from God. And, and it was becoming visible in his, in his whole approachability. Um, and something in that challenge really started to move Bart. And eventually he, he couldn't really ignore the, the psychological or the physiological changes that were occurring in him. And so he went to go see a Dominican priest and on the Feast of the Sacred Heart in 1865, he went to confession and was reunited with the church. Okay. After that, he kind of underwent like a two-year period of, of voluntary penance. Uh, he started to work in a local hospital for those who were terminally ill. And he started to develop a, a deep sense of prayer. He even you know, took vows as a third-order Dominican, uh, really promising to serve God with an undivided heart. Um, all of these components started to come together and give him a very strong life of faith, a strong life of, of vision and purpose. But 
he was still, you know, riddled with a lot of guilt about what was going on in his interior life. And so he was starting to feel all this weight and this, um, this heaviness and guilt because I was worshiping Satan and I consecrated myself to Satan. And he knew intellectually that God was merciful, but he was also trying to reason with himself to say, well, if I have consecrated myself permanently to Satan, what is going to be the consequence of that? Particularly all of those that I led as a, as a satanic priest. Where does the ripple effect of my actions go in which I was leading others you know, away from truth and towards the falsehood of evil? So this was really weighing on him. Uh, and yet one day in the midst of prayer, um, he just had kind of this, this echo of a, of a former priest that he had known, uh, Friar Alberto, who had told him some of the words of the Blessed Virgin Mary in regards to the uh, devotion of the rosary. The one who propagates my rosary shall be saved. Friar Alberto once said this, to um, Blessed Bart, and this just really rang in his ears, and he started to realize, my salvation is going to be tied towards this devotion. The Blessed Virgin Mary's intercession for me from her privileged place in heaven, and my consistent devotion back to Christ, the Savior of the world, through the prayers of the rosary, that's really going to be, you know, helping me deal with my guilt, as I know that Jesus has received me again in the sacrament of mercy, of confession, but as he just handles his own psychological guilt, wanting to make up for all of the, um, the the ripple effect of his sin, he knew that his salvation was going to be tied to the gift of the rosary. So then, with the help of a, of a wealthy contessa, a countess of Pompeii, uh, he went on to promote the rosary, and with her help financially, he built the large famous basilica of Our Lady to the Most Holy Rosary in Pompeii in southern Italy. And it's a, I've had a chance to go there. It's a, just this huge, gorgeous basilica. And he spent the rest of his life founding schools and orphanages. Um, he worked to help criminals and the children of criminals have a better life than what they were exposed to at a young age. And he went on to promote the rosary with a very strong uh, Marian devotion. And Father Travis, to kind of cap it all off, his writings on the Most Holy Rosary are actually what inspired St. John Paul II, Pope St. John Paul II, to initiate the Luminous Mysteries of the Rosary. Uh, John Paul used Blessed Bart's writings uh, to kind of ponder the mysteries of Jesus' public ministry and what was going on you know, as he brought light to the world. And so those, those actual mysteries of the Rosary, even the title of Luminous Mysteries, that all comes from Blessed Bart. Mm of southern Italy. And then John Paul went on to beatify him in 1980. Mm. Uh, so he's not necessarily the most like well-known Italian saint. I mean, he's not nearly as no- well-known among Europeans, you know, like a Therese of Lisieux, Teresa of Avila, Ignatius of Loyola, John of the Cross, things like that. Certainly pa- uh, Padre Pio or even uh, St. Anthony of Padua. But I think Blessed Bart um, carries an awful lot of weight, especially when it comes to Marian devotions. Uh, I think he, he carries a tremendous amount of weight when you think about the power of conversion. I mean, this is someone who actually consecrated himself as a satanic priest. And he's now a beatified blessed of the Roman Catholic Church. Uh, it's a wonderful sign of what grace can do in the power of people's lives. I think it's a wonderful sign of what hope 
can be for people who are seeking conversion or who are praying for others to be converted. Uh, he's really quite a figure. And with his feast day of October 5th, it's a fitting time that we're talking about him. And with that, Never heard thanks of him, for huh? tuning in. And with that, thanks for tuning in. And I guess we'll talk, you know, <laughs> no, that was that was beautiful. You've told me bit, bits and pieces, I think, in the past about that, but I've not heard that kind of full story um, fleshed out. A lot of things were just really inspiring about that story that were just kind of, that were, yeah, just kind of like light and little sparks. I think that the first one that, that's so helpful is, yeah, so Blessed Bart's living at this time of like growing secularization of Christian Europe, right? At mm-hmm. that time, like, and I think what's helpful is, you know, our, our kind of postmodern, we, we look at that time that you just described in the 1800s and kind of assume it's exactly like at our, our time. It's like, well, there's lots of people who hate the Catholic Church now for, I mean, some good reasons, some poor reasons, but especially that time of that growing secularism, that kind of response to the Enlightenment that had been growing through Europe. Um, that's so helpful for us to see that, look, he was rejecting Christianity, rejecting this faith of his baptism, mm-hmm. rejecting the faith of his culture, but at the same time, he still had these clear desires on his heart for something more. And he might not have even articulated as that, but like the fact that he would go so far as to be consecrated as a Satanist, well, why is that? Because there's some sort of desire that's there. There's some sort of desire for the transcendent, the supernatural, mm-hmm. as you mentioned, a desire for the infinite. And that just opens up for us, all of us, this recognition that while we do have this capacity for something so much more, and we're always going to be reaching out for it. And there's that common phrase that's often used that, all of us have to sacrifice on some altar, right? So on, a, on just sort of a purely secular level, that happens sometimes with, okay, our work, our job, you know, our, our, um, our hobbies. Like what's the altar that we sacrifice our time, our talent, and our treasure at? And there, so much can be, can be spoken of about that. But especially in this then, when there's a real uh, grasping for what many people today would look to the new age for or to online atheism for, to, to engage the questions in my most interior life, we say heart often, but to the engage the deepest questions of humanity that are on, on all of our hearts, are on our minds, um, in the background sometimes that we don't pay attention to, just to see that every human made in the image and likeness of God has this deep desire. But then to see through Blessed Bart's story that, yeah, but it's not satisfying. Like these things that we reach out to to try to fill that, especially in these really like intense ways with something as in, as kind of wild as Satanism that, but it doesn't actually make him happy. And somebody was able to point out in that challenge um, that it didn't. That's actually what I think was affecting me the most was this challenge in love that you pointed out. So it took somebody to step up and say, this isn't making you happy. And I know that this isn't what you were made for mm-hmm. and to call him out of that. And that's what finally like helped. I mean, that was the instrumental cause that God was able to use to bring his grace into Bart's life. Um, all these actual graces that he was flooding into his life all the time, but then for something to be like a channel like that, to really like rush that grace into then lead to the sacramental grace of confession. I think what's, in, it, what's it so encouraging for me to hear is like that conversion's possible and God wants to use us all the time, all of us, who, whoever are listening to this, either to bring about deeper conversion in us, but to be instrumental causes of his mercy for so many, right? I mean, we all know people who are reaching out to things that are not of God in the culture, like in the media, in their lives, in their lives of sin, whatever it might be. But we're often very timid. We don't want to help them and offer that challenge out of love, thinking, about, well, we have to be tolerant. I don't want to be pushing them away. Mm-hmm. Look, Blessed Bart would have not been... <laughs> received into the arms of the church, received that experience of repentance 
and experienced salvation, the salvation that Jesus brings, that he couldn't find it on his own. Yeah, so many of our friends are, are in that same spot. So many of our family members, and but we're like, we're timid. We don't, we don't want to offer that challenge in love. But this can be just such a beautiful example that somebody loved him and in that love invited him to something more. Um, yeah, yeah, that professor, his name was Professor Vincenzo Pepe. And had he not taken the risk out of love to challenge Bart to say, hey, I see your life collapsing around you. Mm-hmm. I mean, do you, do you really want to live in this miserable condition that you've, this squalor that you've just kind of settled into? Had, had Vincenzo Pepe not stepped forward and say, I want to help you find something more. Do you desire more for your life? Uh, with, with a really robust challenge. Had that not happened, um, not only would Bart's you know, salvation probably have been jeopardized, but think of how many people have now visited the the shrine of Our Lady of the Rosary in southern Italy. There have been miracles that have been attributed there whose people's lives have been permanently changed. All of us worldwide who through John Paul II from Bart's writings have now been introduced to the luminous mysteries of the rosary, which gives us more aspects to think about the life of Christ. All of that, that whole pyramid of grace stepped forward because on one particular day, Vincenzo Pepe said, knock it off. Mm-hmm. Your life is not healthy and you are endangering your eternal salvation here. That, that little inbreak uh, of grace and, and that prompting moment of love just opened a, a, an entire ripple effect of, of grace for the rest of the church. Yeah. I, the fact that we are talking about this now, uh, over a century later, is a, is a real attribute to what grace can do for all of us. Yeah, and I think just lastly, this clarion call for each of us that that Professor Vincenzo just like was able to prove through this Christian witness is that he didn't just point him to say, you're wrong, you're not following the rules of the church, you're not being a good little Catholic boy. He said, look at your life. Like, what are you actually living in front of? And is that actually fulfilling you? And are you, I mean, you know, living your best life, as people would say, are you actually experiencing like, fruit in your life or are you experiencing bad fruit, right? Like know the tree mm-hmm. by its fruit for somebody to point that out, not to condemn or just to sort of like bring in the rules again, but just to say, no, what are you actually living? And is it making you happy? Mm-hmm. And even to ask that, I'm sure he didn't have to just prove it to him. I'm sure immediately Bart was able to say, no, it's not. Or he was obviously able to be aware of that soon enough. You know, our job is not as Christians to call people out and to kind of put them in their place and to be kind of high and mighty and from on high say, Hey, here's the high standard and you're not meeting that you're way down there. You got to come up here. It's to actually meet them exactly where they are and say, is this making you happy? Mm -hmm. Are you following somebody who's actually leading you to uh, be attentive to those desires in your heart and reach that, which will actually fulfill you right life on high with Christ Jesus. So praise God for the, the life of blessed Bart and for his, his legacy and for the Holy spirit that's still working through all of us. Absolutely. So story time. That was wonderful. Well, you're welcome. It was a little story time. Sorry we missed some of the dialogue there, as our normal episodes include. But as you're praying the uh, Luminous Mysteries of the Rosary on Thursday, you know, ask for Blessed Bart's intercession. Uh, one day we pray that he's going to be a canonized, full canonized saint for veneration with the whole universal church. Blessed Bart, pray for us. Thanks for tuning in. Send your questions and comments to outcastcatholic at gmail.com. Catch you next time. And God bless.